Welcome to the Software Outsourcing Show, brought to you by Accelerance, the global software outsourcing authority. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Bobby Durrell. I'll be your host here on the Software Outsourcing Show, and uh, I want to thank you for joining us here in episode number five. Um, it's been a great couple of four episodes to, uh, to get us to number five, because um, really that's kind of how counting works and how we get here. But uh, along the way, we've had uh, some great discussions. I know we started talking about uh, soft- software outsourcing and uh, really what is it about and how do you do global development and work with teams. Uh, we had a great interview in episode two with uh, Steve Mizak and uh, Andy Hilliard, two founders of uh, Accelerance Inc., the Global Software Outsourcing Authority, where they really kind of gave us a state of of how software development globally, globally has been moving over the last uh, few years and kind of where we are. And uh, the last episode, starting around episode three, we started really focusing on the uh, software outsourcing lifecycle and uh, the things to, to know about there as you get ready to engage in your software uh, outsourcing. And uh, we, we talked a lot about uh, how you, you start with plan, you get connected to the right partner, uh, you move in and, and get those alignments with that partner, and then you, you really get an opportunity there to start off on the, on the right journey and, uh, and getting everything up to speed. And, and joining me for, for most of those conversations has been uh, Jim Rascio, Chief Delivery Officer at, uh, at Accelerance. Jim, how are you? <laughs> Good to be back, Bobby. Hey, it's good to have you back. It's good to have you back. You know, the last time we sat down together, Jim, we really started talking about that planning phase and about the the risks and uh, what to watch out for um, as as you get ready for the engagement. And and we talked about risk across three different dimensions, uh, being your your business risk, your management risk, and uh, technological risk. And I thought maybe this episode, what we could do, we could uh, spend some time today and really kind of dive into those management risks and what they sure are. Sure thing. And uh, so I, I believe when we talked about it last week, we really said what management risk is, is it's, it's when management fails to ensure that software development goals are pursued with intentionality, clarity, and a healthy team dynamic. Do, do you agree with that definition or... Yeah, I absolutely do. I think it's really about initiating a project with your eyes wide open. Okay. Eyes wide open. I, I like that. It's it's knowing exactly where you're going, how you're going to get there, how you're going to do it, and uh, and really kind of the best way about it, right? Exactly. Exactly. So when we approach it, we start with some some questions to really understand where the organization is. And here's a couple examples I'll talk about. Um, really understanding what can you afford to spend on this? Uh, have you built anything like this in the past? Um, what evidence do you have that what you're trying to do is going to be able to be achieved, created with the budget that you have? Um, how many team members do you have to do this? And what do you need to do that? How long is it going to take to build? Um, when you start discussing those types of things, you start realizing how aligned the organization is around this and are expectations realistic. And I think pretty much anybody out there that's built software at some point has encountered a situation where the uh, there, there was not good uh, 
understanding or consistent understanding of what the expectations were and what the time frame and how, how something was going to be achieved. Yeah. So everybody wants to do it faster, quicker and cheaper. And uh, the reality is that can't always be done. So it's really, uh, you know, one of those key risks that we're talking about. And I think that's what you were hitting on there is unrealistic expectations, right? Do exactly. Do we know what we're going to do and, and how, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I know I've, I've, uh, I've experienced that, right? I think we, we probably all have had that, that one project or that one program where uh, something kind of takes off and, and you get going and everybody expects, oh, you, you know, you can only do, you can do so much in, uh, in an amount of time that's uh, just unrealistic. And uh, I know that happened with us um, on, uh, on one program of work where, uh, you know, working with, uh, with a team that had uh, purchased, um, you know, a, a website or a web platform, uh, if you will, from someone else. And uh, on the covers, it looked great. But when you broke those covers back and looked, it was all on declining technology. It was all on poor coding standards. It was all this this stuff that we were going to have to refactor and rewrite. And no one understood what that time commitment was. And uh, every time we went back to the management team or the leadership team and said, hey, you know, we're going to need four more weeks to work on this. The answer would always get negotiated to fine. We'll give you four more weeks, but here's six more weeks of stuff that we want you to do in that four more weeks. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's the old, uh, nine women can't make a baby in one month. Correct. Scenario. Correct. Yeah. We, that was, uh, that was fun. And I'm sure I'm probably not the only person that's had an experience like that, but, uh, but that's what I think of when I think of unrealistic expectations is just, uh, uh, no matter what you do, you can't, you can't get on the same page, right? Is that? Yeah, I think that, that that's spot on. I think it's important for everybody to understand and again, organizationally be aligned uh, with respect to what's being done, when it's being done, how it's being done, uh, and identifying upfront where there's some inconsistencies in those expectations. Yeah. Okay. That 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 makes sense to me now. So unrealistic expectations. That that's a good part. I. I you know, another one that we talked about and uh, we kind of hit on uh, last episode, too, was unfocused leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unfocused leadership is really when the organization, it, it's exactly what it says, isn't focused on it. Uh, that could be that there's one stakeholder that's running with it and everybody else isn't, uh, you know, again, aligned. I use that word a lot. Um, with the organization, it can also be, and what we've run into probably the most often, is a change in focus. It's that old squirrel thing. Oh, look over there. There's something shiny right. and new. And so um, I think you know, we've all been involved in engagements where there wasn't enough discipline around agreeing to what was being done and sticking to it. So a good example um, I can think of is, Bobby, you and I were both involved in an engagement uh, just this year with a division of a large organization uh, that would define what was going into a release. And then as we got closer to that release, uh, they would uh, decide to change the scope of what was in the release. And right. that became this mad scramble of what can be cut in order to get this done. And so uh, QA might not get completed somewhere. Uh, features might not be executed optimally. Uh, mm -hmm. So they might be functional, but it doesn't scale. Um, so things like that. So I think 
again, I, I mentioned some questions earlier to, to ask around unrealistic expectations. I think some questions that we like to look at when we're talking about unfocused leadership are uh, what departments and teams in a company are directly impacted by this? Because we need to involve those people. Mm -hmm. Our representatives from each of those assigned to the project, if they're not, then it's likely to become problematic uh, later down the road. Uh, is the right level of representative uh, involved in those? Sometimes what we'll see is they'll say, yeah, so-and-so from this department is involved, but it's not somebody who is at the right level of decision-making or communicating uh, um, capability um, who's assigned to this engagement, but overloaded uh, yeah. and with respect to a certain project. So they're probably not going to participate at an optimal level. Uh, and there's a bunch of others in there that, that we that we like to look at. But I think, again, any of those uh, can very quickly identify that priorities aren't consistent. We don't have focus around uh, leadership buy-in to what's happening. Right. Right. Yes. And I've and I've seen that, too. And I, I think that was a, a good example uh, that you were providing in there, too, or when you were talking about some of those questions that sometimes it. It, we're not saying it's unfocused leadership across the entire organization. Maybe it's just one unit or one division or one group that doesn't have the right level of leadership involved that, that will end up creating some problems. Exactly. Exactly. Or the, the right discipline Correct. on behalf of that leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, if we agree, you know, it, it, I'm not, I'm not saying you should never pivot and things don't evolve, but if we agree to a short term goal, something we're going to do in the next 30 or 60 days, and or the next two weeks sometimes and and we start changing the scope of that midstream then there's some organizational challenges that need to be addressed in order for that not to occur on an ongoing basis and, and, I and uh potentially totally derail a project well and i think that's a good point too that that we could talk about there uh, using unfocused leadership and going into what, what we see as a next risk and uh and we say another one of those management risks that we see all the time is unclear milestones right exactly and so that, that exactly so um an example i like to to use is if we're on the East Coast of the United States, let's say we're in New York City, we have to go to San Francisco. It's easy to say we need to go to San Francisco. Um, you know, whether, you know, but let's assume we're not flying and there's some places we need to stop along the way. And it's important to understand when, where, and how we're going to uh, make those breakpoints so that we have those as interim targets. Mm -hmm. So if I'm leaving New York and I'm heading west, I might set some. Uh, some stopping point in Pennsylvania or Ohio and right. then uh, St. Louis and then Kansas city and then Denver and Salt Lake city and eventually get to, um, to San Francisco. But if, if my goal is purely focusing on San Francisco, it's very difficult to know, am I really on track here? So, uh, so it's important. Again, we've got some questions that we like to look at and, and we'll start with, uh, do the meetings have published agendas and, and do, are we following those agendas? Do people know what we're supposed to be doing? Does the project manager hold regular status meetings? Because if we start breaking down those communication and we don't know what we're doing, um, if we don't have the key management people on the business side involved in what's going on, then what we'll start finding is that we don't realize we're missing marks. We don't realize that those milestones aren't being met. And in the end, uh, we'll find that as we're supposed to be coming to fruition of a project, mm -hmm. we're probably nowhere near it. 
And so it's important to have some of that structure nailed down what those things are, what those milestones are, and then put together processes uh, to implement that so that we've got the right people involved, we're communicating right, and uh, we've got the right agendas and we're discussing those things so everybody knows where that short-term target is. Well, and, and so let's talk a little bit. So we, we, we have, we've talked about the, the unrealistic expectations, maybe a, a lack of focus from our leadership, uh, some unclear milestones. Uh, another one that we, that we see a lot and we talk about is, uh, is a lack of team interaction. Yep, exactly. So, um, and I, and some of the things I was just talking around about a moment ago, mm-hmm. kind of start hinting into these type of things. So, uh, especially when you're doing outsourced work, mm-hmm. um, it's even more important to be intentional about how you interact. Well, it's uh, that's any kind of distributed team, right? I, I yeah. Mean, any, yes. Any distributed team. But I think as soon as it becomes cross organizational to some mm-hmm. degree, even though your goal here is to create one team, Right. Um, the, as soon as you start introducing organizational dynamics for another one, one, it's really critical that there's an emphasis placed on team interactions. How do you hand off work from one to another? How do you verify that that was done? Um, if you're working across time zones, how does that happen? What are the different cultural norms around communication well, and what and tools we're going to be using for communication? All those type of things are critical. Some of this, that's, that's that alignment that we talk about, right? When we, when we talk about yeah. it in the, in the outsourcing life cycle, we talk about that you need to have alignment. So this is really kind of that time of, of whatever, what are our communication plans, right? Do we, do we have specific communication plans that we're going to use? How are we, how are we working across? What are, what are our common definitions, right? When, what's the roles and responsibilities? When, when do I stop and when does someone else start and how do we overlap? Right? Exactly. So we like to do a couple day workshop with the client and with the partner to sit down at the start of an engagement before any work's being done to define and nail these things down. It's really critical. Otherwise, what tends to happen is people assume that the other party is doing something right. or that the way they are doing something is going to be optimal for the other party. And uh, as we all know, through other communication and, and process things, it's, it's easy to drop the ball right. in those scenarios. So if we take the time intentionally up front to define these things and then uh, agree upon how we're going to manage communication and engagement and interaction within an engagement, then we're much more likely to a start efficiently and be effectively uh, be effective on an ongoing basis. Right, right. And I know it's, you know, it's one of those things in, in, in some of these that, that we've been talking about, um, you know, here with lack of team interaction, I, I like to think having come from the, the operation side, you know, and, and being more of an operator and, and coming through uh, release over into the development world and that I, I know a lot of times we have the discussions around here of what is done. Right. Exactly. And there's a lot of times that it's a, it's an absolute disconnect on done. And, and I know everybody laughs at me. I always say it, it's done when it's in production and working, right? That's, that's the only time it's done. And you know, a lot of other people say, no, 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 it's, it's done when we're code complete or it's done when it's QA tested or it's done when it's ready for release. And I like the fact that you said, and working, right. <laughs> not, I've, I've run into scenarios where it's in production, it's done. Right. Well, no, it's not. We just, because you rushed it into production right. without adequately testing, yeah. uh, doesn't mean it's done. Yeah. I'm in it. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that's, that's the old release Bobby coming in, right? I, you know, yeah, it's in production and working. I mean, let's, let's be clear about it. Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> we have to, and right. it's important to agree upon those things right. in advance. 
Otherwise, you start running into scenarios where people debate and argue uh, what's fair and what's foul. Right. You know, yeah, I wouldn't want to go out and and uh, you know be playing basketball or baseball or football or something, and then have somebody you know throw a flag or blow the whistle and say you're out of bounds. Right. And, you know, the reality is I didn't know that was out of bounds. I thought it was over here. Right. And and you know, I think that that's you know one of the other things that I I would I would come back to and really what what rounds out the end we we kind of bleed it over into talking about it, but weak processes. I mean, that's that's kind of the fifth. Uh, area or fifth risk factor that we look at within this dimension of of management risk, and that's those those processes, right? Exactly. And what we're talking about here really is having an effective SDLC or software development mm-hmm. lifecycle. Um, it's who it makes sure you've got the right people involved in the requirements gathering process. It's ensuring that you're ranking and prioritizing. Uh, your requirements and that going all the way down through the F- STLC, looking at UX, looking at UI, looking at the um, you know capturing requirements I talked about there, testing processes, coding processes, documentation around all these things. Is all of that clearly defined? Do you have rules for how it gets done? Is there a process for what happens when it's uh, a new technology needs to be introduced? You don't have the right solution. You need a new database, for example, and we need to decide what database we're going to use. How does that happen? Is one developer just making a decision of doing it? Or is there some other process that comes into play uh, where where certain things are vetted and decisions are made based on certain requirements that are gathered there? And uh, if you don't define that stuff up front, you will have problems. So when we're working with organizations and we're trying to define these risks, Mm -hmm. what we do is go through all these different things that we just talked about uh, and start asking questions and looking for uh, areas where we think there's excellence and areas where there's uh, some gaps and and then obviously uh, coming back to them and suggesting, here's some things you need to improve if you don't. And, and uh, there's a likelihood of, of problems. And this would be another one of those things that we, that this one is especially that we really try to cover in that, in that couple of day workshop. Right. I, I mean, that's, that's just kind of a recommendation that, that when you're starting out, let's, let's go through and define these things. Let's understand them. Let's know. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, again, aligning organizations in both internally and externally with others that you're going to be working, whether it's cross departmental or cross organizational, uh, having that level of alignment, understanding the rules to the game, uh, and then making sure you've, everybody understands what those are and, and, and what the processes around those things is critical. If you're not doing that, you will a be slower, you'll be less effective and you're going to introduce problems. Right. And, and you've got to get to that one team concept. And so some of this stuff, while, while it is done, you know, uh, uh, officially and formally, it, it also, I, I think goes back a little bit to, um, like back in episode two, when I was talking to Steve and Andy, they talked about getting together, breaking bread, eating with one another, taking that time to, to go outside of work and, and kind of understand some of these things. And I think some of that helps loosen this risk too, right? Or less. Yeah. If you're, if you're working in an office together for eight hours or more a day, you get to know the people and you understand how to interact. If you're uh, doing it, you know, across a continent or just across a city, even um, it's important that you get together on occasion uh, and discuss these things and understand the people that you're working with so you can be most effective. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jim, Hey, listen, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me uh, for this episode. I'm sure we'll have you back on, uh, on more episodes. 
Thanks. Um, it's been fun. But yeah, yeah. Hey, I appreciate it. Well, everyone with that, we're going to wrap up our time here. Um, I tell you what, uh, what we've got that, uh, that we'll be providing for you, uh, as part of this episode, if you, uh, if you'll go out to a software outsourcing show and look, you can download our uh, 15 risk indicators PDF for more detailed information on management risks. It'll also include those business and technical risks that I'm sure will be in our next couple of episodes coming up. I want to thank you for listening to the software outsourcing show and taking your time here. Please tell a friend and invite some others that might want to listen. You can always find our latest podcast episodes and show notes out at uh, softwareoutsourcingshow.com as well as we're out on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. So, uh, Please subscribe and please come back and listen to us more. So thanks much and uh, we'll see you on upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to the Software Outsourcing Show brought to you by Accelerance, the global software outsourcing authority. Do you have a topic you'd like covered in a future show? Then send us an email at podcast at softwareoutsourcingshow.com. Podcast at softwareoutsourcingshow.com. Show notes, links, and materials discussed on today's show may be found on our website at softwareoutsourcingshow.com. That's softwareoutsourcingshow.com.